It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody. Hi. I will be your guide today in this book squad goals experience. Um, <laughs> that was so a new uh, intro. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're ready My name to is like, Emily, have a sound bath. Yeah. Close your eyes. Some sage. Picture something <laughs> yeah. peaceful. Yes, um, we're going to do, this is actually, we were scheduled to discuss Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas, but instead we are going to do a breathwork workshop. Oh no! Because I feel like we have reached the time of year where everyone needs it. First, I want you... To experience the feeling of your body in the chair. I really don't want to experience Wait, body. okay, hold on, let me lean. <laughs> you don't want to experience your body? No. Not oh, even no. a little bit. Oh, well. Well, we tried. Okay, we can talk about Today the during then. therapy, I said, <laughs> I don't like being a human being. Same. Yeah. Oh, Kelly, do you want to talk about something oh yeah i mean you can say it too it's it's all of us but we have a patreon i know but i feel like it's your thing um like you're real like your thing so you know? if you like, donate you do such to a the good patreon job. all of that money goes directly to me and i pocket it <laughs> just so you guys know um, pocket it to help pay for our website. <laughs> we have a Patreon. It's $3 a month. I'm mentioning it at the top of the episode just in case uh, you're one of those people who skips the ending. So, yeah. Uh, it's Book Squad Goals on Patreon. Find us. Subscribe. You can get pet pictures, although I haven't sent them this month yet. Sorry, guys. Super sexy pictures. Yeah. Super exclusive nudes of cats. Pizza is posted <laughs> meat pics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll show Little you the bean pics, toe bean pics. Mm-hmm. We should start spicy content the pet photo shoot, shoots like this week, just little toesies. That's a good idea. We can yeah. do toes next this time. week. Like little snoots. Oh, and then for like it's Christmas, not weekly. we can just like don't let Mary get your hopes up. We can up. do. 
month. Yeah. So for like December, we can do like holiday photo shoots. Mm-hmm. We missed our Hanukkah opportunity and to Christmas. do Halloween version. Well, next year we're you know we're new. We're figuring it out as I we go. You are seeing the Mabel. process. You're hearing the process. I need I need Rez posing with a menorah. Speaking of Rez, his mother Susan is not here. You may have noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is because Susan just moved a big to a move. new place. Yes. Big big move, and she needs some time to se- she needs some time to settle in. So she will be back. So we are going to talk about Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas after a quick um, twenty minute breathwork it, session, starting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into it, we are going to start with an intro question, as is tradition. Um, and I thought we haven't talked about westerns a lot on this podcast, and so I thought it would be fun to talk about like what's our favorite western. Also, like what makes something a western? Do we think? I am not. This is Mary. Mary, don't you I- really like westerns? I am not an expert on westerns. I do like westerns. Hmm. I like the flavor of westerns. The vibe. Love a cowboy. Yeah. Uh, old timey pistols. <laughs> mysterious stranger rolling into town. Like I like the vibes of westerns. Horses. She's a horse girl. Horses. But sometimes actual westerns are a little slow to me. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I would say my favorite Western flavored piece of media is Cowboy Bebop. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, it is an anime. I haven't seen the Netflix live action adaptation. Heard I it was. I don't think anyone bad. has. And I'm good with just the anime and the movie. Um, but it's I just don't understand. Why do we have to live action all these animes now? We don't. We don't it's have not to necessary. actually. Um, it's an anime from like the late nineties, like ninety nine or two thousand. Yeah, wasn't and it on like Toonami or something? It was on Toonami or Adult Swim. It was late at night. Oh, it not, okay. It was probably for, Adult Swim. Adult not Swim. for babies. Yeah, it was episode one, one. They're doing hard. Drugs. I remember being in my in my room with my miniature TV, very late at night, and having the TV on cart or Adult Swim, and then quickly changing the channel if my mom like opened yeah. the door. It's Cowboy Bebop to me is a western because it mm-hmm. has the ideals of of. You know, like open spaces, uncharted territory, lawless lands, uh, a romance that was not to be. The word cowboy in the title. The word cowboy in the title. Like a cool protagonist who's very hot hot and uh, cool, like nothing bothers him. He stands up for what's right. I feel like a lot of space stories mm-hmm. that are sort of like sci-fi space stories about a space that's already been sort of colonized, but not completely really fits into the Western genre mm-hmm. in maybe uh, not a one-for-one way. Like Firefly would be kind of a Western to me. Um, but yes, I'll say Cowboy Bebop. 
I like that. I like that answer. I yeah. uh, this is Kelly. I frantically Googled westerns when Emily announced what that is a western is going to be. I am not. I'm not into westerns. Um, I have not seen very many of them, and I don't like them. But. Uh, I I also wasn't really thinking about like different interpretations of westerns. I was really thinking like more classic western. And so the answer I kind of settled on while looking through a list of westerns was like, oh yeah, I like the Coen Brothers. I liked yeah. True Grit. Their their version of True Grit. Yeah. I've not seen the original. I also like No Country for Old Men. Um, mm-hmm. But I think uh, True Grit. I I liked a lot when I saw it. It has a sort of like more of a like almost storybook vibe to it. Um, yeah. And I like the focus on a young girl. Because I think that is yeah. an issue I often have with the westerns, at least the traditional westerns, is the emphasis on men, um, white men specifically, and masculinity, and the lack of significant female characters um, is something that I struggle with. And it's the same reason that I struggle with, like, war movies. Um, so mm-hmm. hate, hate a war movie. Yeah. Hate a war movie. Hate it. So that's mm. my answer. Um, this is Emily. Uh, everybody knew what my answer was going to be. It's Slow West. Um, it is good. And I've said it before. I don't know that I've said it on the podcast, though. I went into Slow West... Because Michael Fassbender was in it, and that is it. I was not expecting to enjoy it because the title is literally Slow West, which to me is like saying boring, boring, (laughs) because I also think Westerns are really slow and boring usually. I did not particularly like True Grit. I thought it was too long. Okay. I thought it was boring. There are some Westerns that I have liked. Um, but it's not generally a genre that I lean towards. It's kind of funny. I guess nobody mentioned Westworld, maybe because none of us ever finished it. Yeah. yeah. I like the first <laughs> season a lot. But the first season of Westworld was good. Um, Second season? But yeah, Slow West, it's a tight like hour and 20 minutes. Not slow at all. It gets right into the action. Michael Fassbender is also just, like, peak sexiness in that movie. Like, I have never seen him looking better before or after. So if you're into Michael Fassbender, definitely see it. If you're not into Michael Fassbender, you might be after this movie. Yeah. It is peak Michael Fassbender. Mm -hmm. And if, like Mm -hmm. me, you're weirdly into um, Jeff Bridges. (laughs) Yes. True grit. Uh, so I, what we're I hearing is that for us, a Western, what makes a Western a Western is like there's got to be a hot person in it. Maybe. It's got to be a, a rugged man of some kind. No, there doesn't or have someone, to be. but Someone with. To be, for uh, it to be good for us. A certain so. charm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, there, if it's going to be a movie that has lots of men, there has to be at least one. That I one hottie. want to throw us a hottie. Look at, you know? Yeah. 
I agree though. Like generally speaking, I don't particularly enjoy movies where there are no women in them because I have said this before and I'm sure I've said it on the podcast. Men are boring to me just as a, as a, as a people. (laughs) I'm okay with movies that have a primarily male cast. If it makes sense for that to be the case. But most of the time when that happens, it doesn't make sense to me. Because we don't live in a world without women. I don't don't know. Like, if it's a story where it makes sense for there not to be any women in the story, it's probably a boring story. (laughs) Yeah, it's just not something that I'm personally (laughs) compelled to watch. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. So, anyway, with that being said... Uh, I'm saying all this because Vampires of El Norte is categorized as a Western among other genres. And we will get I into that. Think about it. Though, Me right? neither. Not until I read the intro question. I was like, huh, okay. I guess I that mean, makes sense. There's horses. <laughs> there's like a, a, a there's, road journey. I mean, like, I feel like we, yeah, we've got like a. There's a cowboy. We've got cowboys. We've got. We've got our main character here is the exact type of character you're talking about. Yeah. He's this bad boy who like does what he wants, lives on the land with this horse, just I, doing jobs and having sex with women and going to brothels and yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I did not make this up. It is listed this way. Talk to everyone else about it. Anyway, um, this Goodreads summary is so long. So settle in. Grab yourself a I think little. This is on the jacket. Yeah, get get yourself a little like hot chalky or something. It's November. Hot chalky. <laughs> settle in. I'm about to read this to you. Ooh, I have gingerbread hot chocolate. I should make one. Okay, let me go make that, and then I'll read this. And no, I'm just teasing. Okay. Um. All right. Here's the summary. As the daughter of a rancher in 1840s Mexico, Nena knows a thing or two about monsters. Her home has long been threatened by tensions with Anglo settlers from the north, but something more sinister lurks near the ranch at night, something that drains men of their blood and leaves them for dead. Something that once attacked Nena nine years ago. Believing Nena dead, Nestor has been on the run from his grief ever since, moving from ranch to ranch, working as a vaquero. But no amount of drink can dispel the night terrors of sharp teeth. No woman can erase his childhood sweetheart from his mind. When the United States attacks Mexico in 1846, the two are brought abruptly together on the road to war. Nena as a curandera? Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I took Spanish, um, everyone, remember so just when we read apologies Witches, in advance. Emily. <laughs> um, a curandera, a healer striving to prove her worth to her father so that he does not marry her off to a stranger, and Nestor as a member of the auxiliary cavalry of ranchers and vaqueros. But the shock of their reunion and Nena's rage at Nestor for seemingly abandoning her long ago is quickly overshadowed by the appearance of a nightmare made flesh. And unless Nena and Nestor work through their past and face the future together, neither will survive to see the dawn. Okay, there are many dawns. <laughs> Wait, yeah, which dawn are we talking about? Yeah. The the general dawn. Yeah. 
like the, this, the night is the war in general, maybe, and the dawn is like, it's over. I don't know. I don't know. It seems, it seems like an apt description overall, I think. Yeah. That's the general thrust of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so something that I noticed right away as I was starting to read this, not just because spoilies. it's described this way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoilies coming. We're spoiling the book. To put that. We're spoiling the book. We always spoiler. Spoil the book. It's a western. We always spoil the book. Okay. Now I'm gonna. Now I'm gonna ask my question. Okay. I just didn't want us to forget. No, thank you, Mary. Call, I do appreciate Mary. it. It was it was the breath work that we did before this. It yeah, really relaxed relax. me, and I uh, forgot that we were spoiling the book, but we're about to. Um. Anyway. <laughs> This is quite a mix of genres. We got a little Western. We got a little romance. We got a little historical fiction. We got horror. Does this mix of genres work for you? And as you were reading it, did you consider this to be like one genre more than the others? Or did it feel like a balance? What y'all got? Um, This is a romance novel to me. Um, I a was very surprised. historical fiction. Yes. I was surprised because I thought this was going to be a horror novel. <laughs> um, and I would really call this like a romance with horror elements. Like this does not, this to me was not a horror novel at all. Like the horror parts were very small. And while they have background like, yeah, yeah, they have like, a lot of bearing on the plot and the story, but, like, the actual, like, horror that we experience reading is not, it's, you know, infrequent. Um, and it's also kind of the same thing that, which is these vampire creatures that we see a couple of times. Um, I think that the main thrust of this novel, thrust... <laughs> is the <laughs> this like second chance romance yeah. um story mm -hmm. it like it plays with a number of romance tropes it's like very like our our two characters spend like half of their time thinking about each other and wanting to fuck lord mm -hmm. so and thinking each other's names and saying each other's names <laughs> that's that's the number one giveaway that you're in a romance if they keep yeah. saying each other's names yeah you're in a romance also, novel i listened to the audiobook mm -hmm. and th there's a man narrating nestor's parts and a woman narrating nina's parts but the man would be like nina <laughs> <laughs> to me like i just kept hearing it in this brooding voice and the guy kind of yeah. sounded like H. John, John H. Benjamin a little bit to me. And it just. That's really funny. It was a there time. was a lot of sexual frustration going on for yes. a huge chunk of this book. Um, just like him thinking like, she's wearing my pants. <laughs> my yeah. pants are like rubbing up against her inner thighs. And <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I know she's a wearing a shirt, that. but the fact that she has a shirt on reminds me that she has tits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of that. A lot I, of that. 
also expected it to be more horror. And so I kept reading and I was like, any minute now, the vampires are going to come. Vampires is in the title. So any minute now. I mean, they there's going to be some vampires. The stuff. first chapter, you're like, okay, here we go. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I was like, ooh, this is juicy. I'm excited. Attack. And and then I was like, all right, we're going to get back to those vampires anytime. <laughs> and then they kept explaining, like, the complicated hierarchy of <laughs> Mexican sharecropping system. <laughs> And you know tensions with America and potential war, and I was like, the vampires are gonna come back. Where are they? they were, <laughs> they're there, but it's very limited, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like by the time we got to any substantial interaction with the vampires, I was like, whatever, sure. There's vampires. Like, I was a little checked out. They didn't really seem scary or mysterious anymore. Well, also, then they turn out to be not the bad guys, really. So it's like... The bad guys are... It's capitalism in America. Yeah. The spoiler. The bad guys are the white people. Yes. But also, I'm like, I don't know what y'all got going on. Doesn't sound great either. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's the villain. Um, and class hierarchy. Yeah. 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 But um They they also in the audiobook they kept saying Nestor was just a peon. And I'm like, is this peon? <laughs> like he was a little peon? Is that what it's saying? Maybe. I would have to find it in the book because I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. This is also um, a lot of me just listening along and thinking, I'm so smart and I definitely understand this Spanish. <laughs> I, ju- I looked then, up a lot of the words for, like, mostly for the different positions of, like, I was like, okay, yeah. this means farm and this means, like, ranch hand and this means, you know, sure. whatever. Um I also today listened to about the last third on two. Also, um, I mean that's just my normal speed at this point. I just know. I just looked it up and I did remember that because um, I remember seeing pe- pe- peon. Pe- what? How does it pronounce mm-hmm. in English? Peon. Yeah. Whatever. I remember seeing that, but it it does have an accent on the O. So I just looked it up and okay. it is the same word in Spanish. It means the same thing, but. It's pronounced, you know, differently. I'm also a little indoor kid who read a lot of words before I ever heard them. So I could also just be yeah. not knowing mm. the word in English, too. Um, So let's talk about let's talk about the romance. then. I feel like um, so one of the tropes of romance, I think a lot of like this has been a trope, I think, more recently. However, I will say like I'm a newer reader of romance. So maybe I just didn't that romance novels did this before but I do think like a lot of um rom- I don't I keep trying to avoid saying contemporary because this isn't contemporary obviously I mean like yeah. romance coming out right now mm-hmm. when I say contemporary yeah. like um is doing the dual point of view mm-hmm. um I think 
to ramp up that sexual tension so readers can kind of see like, oh, they both want each other and they just keep like missing and like not being on the same page at the same time. Um, How did that work for you guys? Also, just like, what did you think about this romance? Was it hot? Did we believe in it? I believed in it, but I didn't care. (laughs) That sounds bad. I didn't care because I did have both perspectives. And I was like, okay, well, they both want each other. They're going to get together in the end. Yeah. That's not a guarantee, but I guess it seemed like a situation of, well, if you just talk to each other, you can probably sort this out. And then that got a little more complicated when uh, Nana's family became a bigger factor in Mm -hmm. it. But... I did not need so much inner dialogue, inner monologue of what they felt for each other because that sort of deflated the romance a little bit for me. Mm -hmm. There just seemed to be a lot of going on about like, Nana never felt this way about anyone else. She realized she loved him. She thought he was so cute. Da, 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 da. And instead of like seeing action of that playing out, a lot of those were thoughts they were having about each other while they were doing their daily life. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't amp up the tension for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think like the whole thing kind of starts with us having to suspend our disbelief and that he would still think. She was de- like the the fact that like neither of them because he's like still in contact with his family yeah. and I'm just it's like it's hard for me to imagine that like you know seven years later or however long however long it is that passes that nine, nine that he would have no idea ever that she didn't actually die even. You know, if I was his grandma or whatever, right, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, your best friend? Right. She almost died, but she didn't. Right. Like, I, it was just, and, like, and, come on. and then when they get back, when they reunite, and then it's like so long of her being mad that he left, and he's like, if only I could just tell her that I thought she was dead, but I can't. And I'm like, what? Just tell her, like, just be honest and say, I and really genuinely thought you were dead and I ran he away. Even talks to her and is like, so what about this weather? Yeah. And then he'll be, he'll be like, I thought you were dead. And then she's like, well, you still shouldn't have left. And it's just kind of like a thing where I felt like at a certain point, it was just forcing them to still be frustrated with each other to try to continue the tension, even though... There didn't feel like a real reason for them to continue to be mad since it was clearly just a misunderstanding that happened. Um, I don't know. The whole thing felt kind of like of like too formulaic, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And while I do think that there were some moments where it was hot, like some of the scenes where they first kissed and stuff like 
that was kind of sexy, that little, like, first kiss that they shared, and then he was like, no, stop, and then they stopped. Some of that was hot, but for the most part, I felt kind of annoyed by both of them for being so, like, it's like, we all, we know what you want, you both know what you want, you both know that the other person wants that, like, you know that there was a misunderstanding, please just fucking, like, I don't know. It it got frustrating at a certain point. And then I also felt like it was just like a, a road trip sort of thing where they were just like, and now we're going to sleep. And then we woke up again and we traveled some more. And we're still mad at each other. And now we're in a town and we're going to go to sleep. And I'm still mad at you. And it just sort of like didn't – there was like a long chunk where it felt like there was not a lot of momentum happening in the story or in the romance I um I actually really enjoyed the romance. Um but I think I've been reading a lot of romance lately, so I feel like maybe I just like com- in comparison to a lot of other romance it's yeah, good. Because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of really bad romance out there. Like I did feel like there was really good sexual tension and like um I don't know, like they they both just like seem to have really good chemistry with each other. And I believed in that. So that kind of sustained me. Um, but I see, I mean, like, I definitely understand what you're saying about the dual perspectives. My main issue with the dual perspectives, because I, um, I read the book. I didn't listen to it. Um, sometimes I had to check whose head I was in Mm. because I mean, and you're saying there was like too much internal, stuff going on but to me it's like there sometimes there was like a long period of like nothing internal and i was like i don't know who who's talking here head we're in right now so i kind of had the opposite problem i guess it's pretty easy to tell in the audiobook because one narrator wasn't right you know i mean that makes it a lot simpler i didn't i didn't really have that problem i feel like i pretty much knew although something that always this is just like a nitpicky thing that bothers me about dual perspective stuff is when it's like a chapter break and then it's another chapter from the same perspective i'm like why is this a new chapter then like what if i'm like go back and forth because otherwise you have a chapter that says nana and then the chapter ends and then a new chapter and then it says nana again and i'm like okay What's the purpose of this being a new chapter? The scene is over. I often find chapter breaks in books to be really annoying because I'm like, why did you break it here? Like, why is that a new chapter? I I love a chapter. Give me a new chapter on every page. Paragraph. Disagree. Break it up. Then you you can say, oh my gosh, I read 15 chapters. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels I, like I'm, karma I, I like chapter breaks because they give me something tangible to read to, and I know the scene is going to end, and I'm not going to have to stop in right in the middle of something. Well, I can just yeah, because stop then every the single next, time I come like, back, I'm like, I don't know. That's what double breaks are for. Like, you don't need to have a whole new thing. It makes it seem like yeah. this is a whole yeah. different thing, and then it's not. It's just a continuation. I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me at all. It bothers me a lot. Keep I breaking. understand. Well, but it doesn't bother me. I understand, I but you're wrong. <laughs> Listen, we can't always agree on everything. <laughs> Listeners, let us know what your thoughts are on chapters. On chapter breaks. 
Kelly just wants 100 pages, no chapters. I just want f- for everything Look, to feel like there's a fucking it's point. It's 100 pages? Like, what's the point of that? <sighs> All right. From a, from a, also, just from a design <laughs> perspective, if you are fully going to a whole new ass page, why? You hate trees and you want a tree to get cut down to make that new page. Especially because they do this. Yeah. Where there's like, what the oh. fuck is that? A blank page. And then I'm That's just that? to say, guess that? what? Listeners. It's still Nana. We're still in Nana's yeah. head. Um, I, what I was pointing out, listeners, because this is not a video <laughs> podcast, is that there are in between the chapters, there will be like a blank page so that that the next chapter is on the right side of the book. Mm-hmm. Rather than you, do you see, do you hear, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you visually, I'm asking the listeners, are you visualizing what I'm saying? Cause well, uh, yeah, I imagine that the purpose of that at least is for, I'm sure there's extra pages that they have left over based on like the signatures for how, I don't know. I don't know how much everyone knows about books and how they are printed. Um, but there is a certain number <laughs> basically like their pages can be printed in multiples so you'll have like because pages are folded together in a certain order you have like a signature is like one collection of pages that's folded together and so a book will have multiple signatures and if you have like you know just enough text to almost complete a signature then you have like leftover blank pages so those might be at the beginning or the end or they might be interspersed throughout that sounds like a nightmare to figure out. Yeah, and that is all for the interiors department, and I don't have to deal with it. There you have it, everyone. All right, let's talk about the vampires. Just knocking it out. They're there. How do we feel about the vampires? I know we talked about it a little bit. Um, these, I know we never talk about vampires on this podcast, so this is your chance to talk about vampires. Um, how do we feel about the vampire lore? Because I feel like these vampires are different. They're not adhering to anything. Well, they can um, go They almost the felt more like zombies to me yeah. than vampires. Like, they're like zombies, but they drink blood. But they're Because like, they seem very, like, mindless. But they're also, I would say they're almost more like, like werewolves, but they're, like, permanently wolves kind of like they're like animals Mm -hmm. they're because like that's kind of the idea that we get later on in the book when nana manages to like you know convince them that she is not a threat or whatever it's like it's like a scared Mm -hmm. animal or just an animal that is dangerous or whatever and and is a predator and like feeds on people and blood but it's not like necessarily they don't seem to have like an actual demonic like yeah essence yeah. to them and they also don't really seem to be former humans because we don't get anything where a character Somebody they turn. don't yeah they don't yeah turn. they don't turn like when they when they attack a human the they either die or they're like, paralyzed yeah and appear dead but because Nina has been bitten, she is able to communicate with them. Right. It feels so, like everybody has been bitten. 
Yeah, it's really weird because when Nina and Nestor are um, traveling together, they're like, oh, well, we can't tell anybody about these vampires because they'll think we're crazy. And then, like, the first people they meet are like, yeah, we know about the vampires. And I'm like, of course, everyone would know about the vampires. They seem to be attacking everyone. You guys think you're the only ones who have vampires coming at you? Even before they even leave, people are like, oh, there's something weird happening where people are getting attacked and... Yeah, like, people are aware that there's some shit happening. Like, if you are traveling, like, they're talking about, like, other people traveling out in the same space that they're traveling. Like, it seems, like, unavoidable. Like, how would you you not know about the vampires? You know? I, the vampires almost felt like a background event Mm -hmm. because they weren't sentient. They didn't. Mm -hmm. They weren't characters. The right word. They they weren't characters. They weren't going to have dialogue. And I think what's appealing to me about vampires as a you know horror staple mm-hmm. is they are smart and have had years to learn things and change and grow. Well, and that they've and also experienced humanity, which I think yes. is like a key part of what we find interesting about vampires is like this is so close to what we are but it's not yeah and all all of that wasn't really a factor here and so the vampires almost felt like zombies in the walking dead to me um robert kirkman um who wrote the walking dead comic book said at one point that the zombies are like weather and they just sort of come in when it's thematically appropriate or something needs to happen. But really, you're supposed to be glued to the human drama that's happening. Mm -hmm. And the zombies are just kind of there to help things move around. The vampires were not doing anything in the story for me. They were there. They were a threat. But we weren't finding out about their lore necessarily, except in a in a minor way, like, oh, they're being used as weapons. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. I don't know any of the rules about how these vampires work or where they came from or what made them this way or if they were born this way. And it doesn't line up with any traditional vampire lore. Like, not Dracula vampire lore, not Anne Rice vampire lore. And so I found myself thinking, okay, what are the rules here? They can go out in the sun. They don't really seem capable of speech. Well, from what I gathered at... uh, I don't know where I put my book. But in the before the acknowledgments, there's kind of like a end section that's like, historically, etc., uh, okay, I didn't, I didn't read that one. Well, um... Wasn't, wasn't in the audiobook. That makes sense. Let me... I mean, I, I could be being, like, very culturally insensitive here, because I know different cultures have different mythos around certain monsters, like... Right. There are, you know, Haitian versions or stories of zombies... That are completely different from, like, Americanized zombie stories. I, I know a lot about zombies, and I don't like zombies. 
but I know a lot of about them because I wrote this article on The Walking Dead. <laughs> and it's just cemented in there. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. she mentions that... So the quote at the top says, Flocks of vampires in the guise of men came and scattered themselves in the settlements. Many of you have been robbed of your property, incarcerated, chased, murdered, and hunted like wild beasts because your labor was fruitful and because your industry excited the wild avarice which led them. Um, and this was Juan Nepu, Nepomuceno Cheno Cortina. Um, and this was a proclamation to the Mexican inhabitants of the state of Texas. So while she was researching, the author came upon this passage Um And this was in 1859. It was decades before Dracula was published, long before, like, other some other references of vampires. Um, And so she was, like, really struck by this quote, I guess. Um, And that was, like, Mm -hmm. what made her decide to explore this idea. Um, And so she says, I was initially inspired by tales of, and this is, like, a... um, a word in the, like, indigenous language that I cannot pronounce. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, like, Tlahulputkis, maybe, um, which is blood-sucking witches. Um, and then she says, mm-hmm. I began to wander toward an incarnation of the vampire that was more monstrous, more beastly. So, I don't know. It seems like she started in one place and then kind of went somewhere else. Hmm. Hmm. She says 1859 was decades before the publications of Carmilla and Dracula took Europe by storm. So it was, like, before this was, like, a huge part of, like, the public consciousness, I think, is the point that she's making. Yeah. That, like, someone referenced the idea of vampires in this, like, proclamation. Essentially, she's saying, like, this idea of, like, what what a vampire is, like, exists vaguely, but not in this way where, like, we all talk about vampires, we all know, you know? It's not popularized. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, the average person on the street wasn't reading Carmilla in the late 1700s, probably. Right. Yeah, I thought, I, I remember reading this yesterday, and I was like, wasn't there a mention of some kind of, um, like, folklore thing that it was based on but um i think it's kind of an amalgamation of things i guess but i do think that it kind of gets away from cuz i think like you know her her idea conceptually which is clear is that like the real vampires are the people who are taking away resources and you know just like like leeches like you know t- Taking land and and uh, labor and sucking it dry. Mm-hmm. D- don't they call it El Cuco? I think there's at some point. is that a different type of monster? Because I just I did a Google and yeah. Google just says El Cuco is like the boogeyman. Yeah, maybe I think maybe Abuela men- men- mentions that at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Not excited I, about these vampires. <laughs> I just want to be clear, like, I there is probably a richer heritage of these types of vampires than I that I'm aware of. I just think the things I really like about vampires and other stories are just not present here. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's not a, a negative on the story or on the vampires. It's just my personal yeah. preference. Yeah. yeah, well, and I yeah. think even if, like, I was open to learning more about this type of vampire or this type of creature, but I also feel like it was really sidelined um, at, like, yeah. for other elements of the story. Pants rubbing thighs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pooling in the lower belly. So I guess we uh, have only the historical fiction component of this left to discuss. Um, and I know, like, I was not very aware of this uh, moment in history in this place. Um so I didn't know very much about it going in, and in true me fashion, I did not look into it before I started reading. I was just like, we're just going to read, see what I learned from the story. Um, how did you guys feel about the way that the history is incorporated into the story? How much did you know about this? Do you feel like we learned anything about this historical period from this? And yeah, those are my questions. I- vaguely knew about this historical moment because I played Red Dead Redemption, the video (laughs) game, which is taking place around the same time. And there are parts of the games where you go into Mexico, but it's like, what would be Texas now? Mm -hmm. But that's from the other side, right? Like you're a white guy going into Mexico doing stuff so like it definitely which like even you know playing that I was like okay well this is from a very specific point of view but but I think you know it was interesting to get the other side of it I don't know that I'm super well informed about this moment in history after reading this book just because you know we've already said I don't like war stories and it felt like that a little bit. Like, we gotta go fight these guys. Mm-hmm. We gotta go fight the Yankees because they're bad and they're gonna come take our land. So, time for war. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that, like, oh, there's this threat coming in and you have to defend yourself against it. But I think part of my brain is just, like, shut down <laughs> once we're gonna go fight. Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, like, there wasn't a ton of... I mean, maybe there doesn't need to be more context. Like, they were coming to take the land to use for themselves or exploit the land to use for themselves because they just felt they deserved it more. Mm -hmm. That is kind of the M.O. Yeah. Of a lot of American history. Western history in general. (laughs) Like, they don't see these people as people. Right. But we we know, because of the perspective, like, they have a rich history of traditions in this complicated class system. Yeah. And And I think that is what I learned the most about was this class system, for sure. Because I I don't know anything about anything, like... I've, I feel that my knowledge of history is extremely lacking, um, just in general. But uh, so, like, you know, and I'm not good with dates, and I'm not good with 
geography. But um, I definitely found that stuff pretty interesting as far as how, like, you've got different ranches that all employ sort of these like ranch hands but then there will be like one guy who's like the head guy or like the head farmer sort of who like owns that ranch and is kind of in charge of it and like the best thing that like a you know one of the ranch hands or uh vaqueros they're called right Mm -hmm. um can hope for is to eventually have like his own like parcel of land and his own farm and his own horses and be able to hire people to work for him and but it's like you know extremely difficult to get to that place when you start out with nothing um and I, yeah i i i learned in those terms quite a bit i think and i appreciated it and i actually I did feel like it was well done as far as, like, not being too, like, luxury about, like, this yeah. is what happened then and then this is what happened. It was pretty, like, well integrated into the narration, mm-hmm. I think, without – and without sort of – I didn't feel like I was being spoken to, like, you know, or, like, the reader was – presumed to not necessarily yeah. know anything, you know? Because, like, I did have to look up words, mm-hmm. and I did have to... It was contextual. Yeah, it was... Because we talked about th- a similar thing as far as, like, understanding history when we talked about um, Pinata. Uh, and I feel like this was a lot more... It just felt more natural in the story, I think. Mm. It's also kind of amazing to me the similarities of the, you know, farming system here and the antebellum South. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that's what it felt like to some extent is like, okay, so there's one guy who owns it, except we don't have slavery per se here. It's just sort of like a worker situation but it felt it's some similar themes right because you have like the daughter of the family that owns right ranch she has to marry well yeah and she's like she shouldn't be talking to or interacting with this farm boy you know and like she's educated and he wouldn't have been if not for her intervention to make sure that he got you know to learn to read and write. That's how you keep the poor poor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how it works. Capitalism. Everybody. Capitalism. Love it. Um, I, I feel like briefly we mentioned in the last episode the cover of this book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just kind of wanted to have a moment here at the end to talk about the cover design and get your opinions on it, specifically, Kelly, as a designer. I definitely feel like it's a vibe. Yeah. Well, I think first let's give credit to Vian Nguyen. Um, that is the designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I love the colors. I... I like that because it does – I think it's it's kind of that perfect combination of, like, historical and horror that they were clearly going for with 
this. I think it doesn't really indicate how much of this is a romance, but I think that that was probably the choice of the way that they wanted to market this book in general as more of a horror historical fiction Western that has romance when like, in my opinion, it's a romance that has those things. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um, but you definitely have the cacti here, which tells me this is a Western. Yes. Because you have a cactus here and a cactus there. Yeah, you've got your... Here a cactus, there a cactus. Very flat ground. You've got your Mm -hmm. beautiful um, sunset lightning. Not sure Mm -hmm. what exactly that has to do with the story. That's the vampire. That's what they look like. That would actually be really scary. That would be. Yeah. Well, there was like a glowing orb or whatever that they saw or like glimmering light. I like the contrast of the dark and the color on the cover. It does look kind of similar to the Hacienda to me, mm-hmm. the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That like, would be on purpose, yeah. most likely. Yeah. 1,000%. I can guarantee Because it's you the same that, author. Uh, they definitely, in their little presentation when they were um, conferencing this book, had her last book on there and they were like this is I mean, it doesn't look the same yeah. but you can look at both books and say these could be related yeah. i mean you got a you got a red dress on both or i guess this yeah. isn't a dress it's a skirt but there's a woman wearing red on the cover on both yeah, yeah. who's not directly looking at us but i like that she's not turned away you know because she's not turned away which is like historical fiction 101 right. is like Rare. she's turned away for a historical fiction novel to show us even a profile of a face. So, and you got like a whole body. I think, I think it's really cool. I think it's like very, um, I think it's very much in the genre it's supposed to be in while taking a few little creative risks. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I really like it. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it too, which is why I wanted to call it out. Yeah. Um, I th- and I think the Hacienda is kind of like doing something similar where actually the woman is like facing like dead on forward. And then she's kind of just like you see her profile kind of looking away. But like you definitely get face- facial features kind of in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's interesting about this one, which I think I like, is like just the way that the shadowing is like you basically can see her whole face, even though she isn't looking directly at us, but because she's in shadow, it's still not like right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good. We're digging it. I think yes. Ten out of ten for the design of the book, maybe, but maybe not so for the rating of the book. Should we rate it, or do we have anything else we want to talk about first? I'm good to rate it. Let's rate it. Would you guys? Would you guys think? I feel like I'm going to rate it higher than you guys did, so I'm letting you go first. <laughs> you can go first. Me? Yeah. Um, This is Emily. Um, So if I could give half stars, if I could, um, I would probably give this a 3.5, but um, I'm rounding up to a 4 because I enjoyed it. And it's surprising that I enjoyed it so much because it is kind of like a war book. Yeah. But they were thinking about sex the whole time, so it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, this is Kelly. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a three. I think. Uh, I think it's a pretty solid three for me because, like, in general, I do enjoy a romance, and like, there are parts of the romance that I did enjoy, but I think I was like just a little bit irritated with the general conceit of why they were yeah. together. Um, and which is totally fair. Yeah. So. And, like, I wished there was more horror. But I didn't dislike the reading experience. I finished it a couple days ago. This is Mary. Hey, Mary. I haven't officially rated it yet. But I think I might give it a two. It's okay. It just wasn't my jam. Part of it could be because I read, read it mostly on audiobook. I read the first chapter or two on my Kindle and then I read I did the rest of it on audiobook. And we know I have a weird time with audiobooks. <laughs> that could have been part of it. But I think overall I just wanted more vampires. Mm-hmm. That could have been my own expectations being skewed. Well the title has vampire. It does have vampire in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I mean, I get like, oh, the vampires, it's kind of like the Americans were vampires trying to take this lifeblood, this land that's not, like, I get that, but. But mostly I the wanted, book is about fucking, so. I wanted more literal vampires, too, and I wasn't as interested in the sex. <laughs> Which is, you know. That's just... And it wasn't, just to be clear, there was no, it like, wasn't graphic. graphic sex, which I, he gets maybe I would have liked it more. No. If we had that. I don't know. I thought we were going to get it, and then... Yeah, I really thought that's where we were going. There's definitely a scene that you're like, okay, here There's we go, and then, and then it's, it's like, like and then they fade were to black. Clothes yeah. Back on. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... My my feeling about sex scenes in general in books is like I enjoy one. Yeah. yeah. But after the like in any romance, it's like after they have sex one time, that was very exciting. But once they do it again, I'm like, okay, I know how sex works. Yeah. You don't have to describe it to me every time they do it. So I don't know. That's my feeling about it. I could have done one. One. I have heard from multiple people that the Hacienda is really good. Mm-hmm. And too. I'm not like opposed to reading the Hacienda. You know, it's not like this was so bad. I just can't read this author anymore. I think the writing wasn't the problem to me. It was just not, not the book I need it right now. Totally. I get it. Well, that was our review of Vampires of El Norte. If you read it, if you have thoughts about it, if you want to tell us that we're wrong or you want to agree with us or you're just sort of like medium about everything, you can write in any of those situations. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us something, please. Yeah. Someone told us something. Who wants to read this? I will read it. Alex from New England said, Hello, Book Squiggles. 
It's your pal, Alex, from New England. Love the discussion of Yellowface. I'm hashtag Team Kelly on this one. I loved that the book always got a rise out of me and never let me get too much pleasure for June's dim-witted slow-motion self-destruction. Lots of, she did that, TM moments. Here's my question for this episode. Do you have any other favorite examples of a protagonist you love to root against? That you can't wait to see fail? P.S. Dear listeners, <laughs> if you have already hit Bookswaggles with a five-star review on Apple, then you can pull out your phone and do the exact same thing on Spotify. Wow. Unless you're a hater, in which case, you should not do this. And also, it's like an hour deep into the podcast and you're still listening. What a loser you are. <laughs> yeah, if you're a hater and you're still with us right now. Yeah. Jokes on ha- you. Happy Halloween in case this gets read in October, but if it is November, then happy Veterans <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Okay, this is mind-blowing information to me, first of all, about the Spotify ratings. I believe this yeah. is new because I don't think this was a possibility mm. before, but I will say that I went and looked, and we do have a five-star perfect right now and only ten ratings. So ten, we have ten ratings. Ten? One of them is me. We are famous. So oh my goodness! But there's no. Okay, go also there. on Spotify, it's just stars. There's no reviews. It's just ratings. Interesting. So you can oh. just go on so there. You can't just read them. You two right now better that I'm speaking. Mary and Emily, go oh, to Spotify. If you go to book the, uh, if you look us up, go to about. Goals. You'll see the little star, and you can just click the about. star. About five stars. Want to rate this podcast? Head over to Spotify on your mobile phone to rate this title. Oh, you cannot do it on your computer. Oh, you better do it on your phone. I did it on my phone. Okay, well, I'll do that later. But that's right, listeners. I'm recording on my phone right now. Do it. Um, okay, so back to the question. Favorite examples of a protagonist you love to root against? I feel like I talked about this in the episode. I mentioned a couple of books, so. Yeah. Anyone else want to go? Um... I just rated us. <laughs> well, I will say I just recently reread The Secret History, a favorite of mine, um, which is kind of full of awful people. Yeah. Um, and I, it's not necessarily that I'm rooting against them, but it's kind of fun to read just like these shitty people and see what they're going to do. Um but as far as I'm like looking at my bookshelf, like. I know I feel like I've I, I experienced this a lot more like in TV, and I feel like the antihero has become a big TV thing specifically, um, popularized by the likes of you know The Sopranos, Mad Men, um. Okay, mm-hmm. but like I'm rooting for Tony. For yeah, that's reason. true. Tony um, definitely has a bit of a, a hero's journey, whereas mm-hmm. Mad Men is like, Don just keeps getting worse, kind getting of. Getting worse. Yeah. And same with like a, a Breaking Bad or, you know, Succession. Yeah. We've got just assholes being assholes. Yeah. Um, I never watched those shows. Yeah. Well. But I believe you. I believe you. Yes. I don't know. There's definitely things I've read where I'm rooting for someone to fail up, sort of, mm-hmm. and also hating them for failing up, but I can't think of any right now. Yeah. 
I do love The Sopranos, though. It's great. And Mad Men. It's great. That's it. That's all we got for feedback. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Thank you. Please send us more, everyone. We want to... What's on the blog? I don't know. Imogen post. We got to do that before I forget the book. Well, someone else has to start it because I am the guest. So. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll work on that. I'm not introducing YA book club. (laughs) She's not a part of the club. She's not a club (laughs) member. Wouldn't that be a twist, though? (laughs) Hi. Welcome to YA book club. I generally don't like YA. One of our grad students was reading live laugh kidnap uh-huh and i was like oh yeah we were gonna read that for white book club sometime <laughs> yeah we're life behind on things life has been hard i don't know if you know this but it's been tough out here i'm also done with so. the queer girl book club book emily so let me know when you finish that i have like an hour left it. so we'll get get that going soon Oh, it's uh, you're gonna join us for that. We're doing a trade. Um, it's your driver is waiting. Oh yeah, I love this trade because I don't have to do anything different from what I normally do. <laughs> I just will stay in both of these clubs. Yes, in the club Perfect. club hopper. So blog posts. Um, so you can't trade if you're in both clubs. <laughs> so blog posts are coming. I know we were really vague just now about what books we were talking about. So just to be clear, in case you're new here. Uh, we are, we have read Imogen, obviously, by Becky Albertalli for YA Book Club. So that's coming. And then for Queer Girl Book Club, we read, um, Your Driver is Waiting. Who is the author of that one? Uh, Priya Guns. Yes. Priya Guns. So that will be coming as well. I know. She's so cool. So that's what we're working on. That is what we're working on. Yeah. Okay, cool. What about what's coming up next on the pod? Mary, you're leading both of these. Coming up next, we are going to talk about Priscilla. Woo! The movie. <laughs> um, that is exciting. I know very little about the movie, but I know very a lot about Elvis and his family. Which is why you're going to be leading it. Yay! Yes. Very excited to go into the movie with kind of no expectations, because that's how I like to go into a movie, honestly. I told Ben, if the movie is good, we need Kelly to make more art for our Sofia Coppola wall. Yes. Well, get on the list, because I owe a lot of people art, so... Our, our ex machina art is coming. I know. It, it is yeah. coming someday. After Priscilla, it's me again. We're <laughs> going to talk about Camp Damascus by Chuck Tingle. And I am so excited to be reading it and talking about it and talking about the strange phenomenon of Chuck Tingle. I'm excited to say Tingle a lot. Tingle. And he calls his little erotica novels Tinglers. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he has a second horror novel coming out soon really? as well. So, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. I shouldn't have said anything. Also, I've seen pictures of him showing up to readings fully in a hood. Wow. Which is fun. Well. I love, I googled Chuck Tingle new horror novel, and the first thing that popped up was, does Chuck Tingle actually write books? (laughs) He does. He does. We'll be the judge of that. Yeah, we'll let you know. If you have anything to say about anything at all, please 
write us an email. We are the squad at bookswagoals.com. Um, we love to hear from you. We really do. Mm-hmm. Uh you can follow us at Goals on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our website is BookSquadGoals.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all of the podcast apps. Make sure you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and a rating on Spotify because that is something that you can do. You can do. Additionally, we are on Patreon and we have four wonderful patrons to thank for their support today. Um, and you too could be in this list of names if you were to pledge three dollars, a mere three dollars a month. That is less. That is half of the price of a coffee at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to Bonnie, Janet, Alex, and most importantly, me, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> in oh all boy! Caps. Yes. Uh, that's all. The I first. Got. The first Patreon follower yeah. that we got, right? I am the first patron. I am yeah. the pati- patron patient patron zero. X. Patron, patron zero. zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a wrap, everybody. Yay! Wow, we did it! Good job, guys. <laughs>